Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Beautiful Louisville, Texas. It's Texas Football Today show. Trying to remember what day it is. <laughs> My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting in this chair, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. What's up, Ashley? Happy Monday, Tuesday, question mark. <laughs> Happy start to the week, folks. <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's the most Monday Tuesday of all time. It is a very Monday Tuesday. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. 79 till still Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Easy E, RIP. Uh, this is episode 1,235. We have a massive show today because we got to do two shows in one. We got to get back on track. Uh, so huge show. We've got Monday morning fallout. We're going to overreact to the football weekend. All things football across the state of Texas will overreact to that. Then uh, we've got a few other things to do. For some reason, my rundown went away. Oh, yeah. We're going to announce the Dave Campbell's Texas Football or Ar- Ozarka rather, team of the week. We'll be joined by Craig White, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, for his normal Tuesday visit. We'll announce the Mr. Texas Football Players of the Week. We will, un- uh, a Players of the Week nominees, rather. We will unveil the Dave Campbell's Texas Football te- Top 10 Plays of the Week. DCTF Top 10 Plays. Uh, we will uh, then, back half of the show, making his debut. Yeah. Not, not well, he's been on the show before. But making his debut as a full-time Dave Campbell's Texas Football employee, we will have our college football recap with our new college football insider, Mike Craven, will join us. He is in studio today, so we will be joined by Mike Craven coming up here at the back half of the show. So make sure you hang on for history here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Do we have first four? I'm sure he just loves this. Do we have first four through the door? (laughs) We sure do. It was Rob Hathaway, Lau Good, Hector Rios, and Tony Blaylock. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, my friends. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. There's no time to waste. Pickle, hit the air. It's time, it's time for Monday Morning Fallout. Monday Morning Fallout, of course, when we overreact to the football weekend. And what a day it is to overreact. 
There is a lot. A lot <laughs> to overreact to. Let's start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one, look past the streak. Which is exactly what you've been preaching not to do for years now. What I mean by that. <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so you might have heard that there were some significant streaks that ended on Friday. Like, I don't know, the two longest ones? So the two longest regular season winning streaks in the state went down on the same night within about an hour of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, the longest was, of course, Allen's 84-game regular season winning streak, their home winning streak that stretched back to 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, they never lost at Allen Eagle Stadium. Vamoose, gone. You know as, what I realized? Hmm. I've covered that game for like the past mm-hmm. like three years, mm-hmm. watching to see if the streak ended. And the one time I wasn't there. Who is it? Lauren Callender, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the one time. Atascacita comes to Allen and, I mean, let's just be honest about him. They whipped him. They were the better team. There was no doubt about that. Allen came in, or Atascacita came in, and they took it. Plain and simple. And I mentioned this on scoreboard, but I'll mention it here. Do not underrate the fact that this was a Houston team that did this. This is a huge, huge win in the ongoing war between DFW and Houston. This is a massive win for the Houston area, um, to not only for Atascacita, but for the Houston area writ large. There was that one. The other, the second longest regular season winning streak in the state, also came to an end as Denton Geyer beat Denton Ryan 14-7 to in overtime. Denton Ryan had won 60 consecutive regular season games. What I mean by don't look, or by looking past the streak, mm-hmm. is that a lot, of the, a lot of the headlines about those two games are going to revolve around who lost. Uh, who are going to revolve around, oh my gosh, Denton Geyer loses, or Denton Ryan loses uh, a regular season game. Oh my gosh, Allen loses at home. Uh, I would look to the other side and tell you that there's a lot to be gleaned from the victor- victorious parties in these games. Mm-hmm. For a task, Asita, if you weren't already on board the Eagles train, you should probably hop on board right now. It's yep. filling up. That team is legit. That team is that team is not not some fly by night team. I know that Katie and North Shore are such behemoths down there in the Houston area in the six A ranks, but Atascacita is right up there. Okay, Gavin Sessions, a playmaker. Keith Wheeler, the wide receiver. They had a number of big time playmakers on the outside. Uh, Chase Sewell, I want to say is his name, who went nuts. The defense made big plays. Their offensive line led by Cam Dewberry is is serious. Atascacita is big doings. They are far more than just the team that beat Allen. Mm-hmm. The other side of it for Denton Geyer, I think, is really impressive because they beat Ryan at their own game. Yeah, they beat them. They outmuscled them. And for all we've talked about the the Rodney Webb offenses and all we've talked about Jackson Arnold, this was a game where the defense stepped up and made plays and was just gargantuan. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to do that, then both Geyer and Atascacita are going to rise to the level of legit state championship contenders. Mm-hmm. Very impressive wins on Friday night. Thought number two, expectation hangover. We are in the... F- we've, we've now reached the finale of the first week of college football across the state of Texas. Yes. And I think that it's an interesting... Like, th- there's an interesting dance going on between fan with fans with regards to their expectations. I'll give you an example. Um, on the positive end, 
UTEP is 2-0 for the first time since 2005. Look at those minors. The minors are 2-0. And it's all sunshine and daffodils there in, in UTEP. Never mind the fact of who they've beaten. Don't take a look at that. And never mind the fact that I watched the very tail end of that Bethune <laughs> game. It got a little hairy. Don't worry about that. They're 2-0, hard stop, and the fans are really loving it. Yep. Take the other side of it. Let's take Texas A&M. Texas A&M pulls away from Kent State and ends up winning 41-10, something like that. Yes. 41-10. Um, it didn't look like that there for was, the first half. But the funny thing is, there was so much wringing of hands and wailing and gnashing of teeth among Aggie fans on a 31-point win oh, of yeah. like over a, what I think is a, 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 a an above-average MAC team. Like, But the expectations are so high there mm-hmm. that I think... It's it's so that you forget that it's week one right. and there's a brand new quarterback and you still beat them by thirty one right like. right the expectations like they color everything and so once you get, like we spend like college football is such a year round sport right such a year round sport that all we do is we construct what we think the season is going to look like in our heads and then once it gets on the field like it's like we all forget how to feel like yeah. we all forget how to analyze football do you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was a very good week for, for most teams in the state of Texas. And, and yet, some you would know it, and some you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting dynamic there. And thought number three, regional warfare. You were down in uh, Westlake. I was. For Yules Trinity and Westlake. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trinity go, uh, Westlake goes and, and beats Trinity um, convincingly, I would and say. And that's the number one team against a top ten ranked team. Yeah, yeah for number sure. Number six in the state. For sure. Um, extremely impressive. We mentioned Tuskegee and Allen. Uh, up, coming up this week, we've got a number of them, including Austin Vandergrift and San Angelo Central. Lake Travis and Rockwall. Lake Travis and Rockwall. El Paso Eastwood and uh, is traveling to, to Smithson Valley, believe yeah. it or not. We got Amarillo playing Odessa. Yeah, exactly. You've got these cross-regional matchups. And so this is an interesting, like for, for me, from my perspective, weeks like this and what, we, what we're coming off of and what we're going into – offer us a glimpse of the relative regional strengths and relative regional weaknesses Mm -hmm. that, you know, these teams tend to play each other that are within their own region, within their own area, Mm -hmm. right? Now here's an opportunity to see how does El Paso stack up against San Antonio? How does Austin stack up against the Concho Valley? How does the Panhandle stack up against the the, um, The Permian Basin? Basin. Right? How does Austin stack up with DFW? How Mm -hmm. does DFW stack up with Houston? Things like that. That, uh, for me, like... I get it if you're if if you're a high school football fan and you're like wake me up when we get to district play. Yeah, I get it. But from my perspective, there's a lot to be gleaned from a statewide perspective by taking on these uh, by taking a look at these big overarching cross regional. Well, matches. and I think it's really cool too. I mean, if you take if you look at Westlake, the chances of them like in the, when they're playing in their district, they're not going to play really anyone who you know could is in that top ten. Like they're yes, they're, they'll play like Travis at some point. Blah blah blah. But in, from everyone else, they're not in that top 10. So this gives you a chance to schedule against other top 10 teams in the state. And it's like, who doesn't enjoy watching that? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So um, that is my three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker to Tyler quarterback Eli Holt. They came up short against Tyler Legacy, but um, but I don't know if you saw what Tyler Holt did. 
Uh, Tyler kind of popped off. Tyler Holt threw for uh, 642. Eli Holt. Uh, Eli Holt. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler quarterback. quarterback Eli, Eli Holt. Holt. A lot of first name things going yeah, on man. here. That's, that's, that is three first names in one <laughs> yeah. name. Tyler quarterback Eli Holt, Holt popped up for 642 yards in their <laughs> loss to Tyler Legacy. The, the Cujo offense was certainly humming. A helmet sicker to SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai. We'll talk about this in our college football segment at the end of the show with Mike Craven. But we set the over-under at four and a half total touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for Tanner Mordecai. <laughs> Cracks um, knuckles. <laughs> he, uh, he did that uh, with ease. Um, in fact, I believe he might have done this in the first half. Yeah. Um, he ends up going for, uh, let me make sure I, I get this right. Tanner Mordecai finishes uh, 24 of 30, 317 yards and seven touchdowns passing. So that'll do um, <laughs> a, a wildly impressive uh, performance in his debut as the quarterback there for SMU. A helmet sticker for him. And a helmet sticker to Clint Horizon running back Ernie Garcia. Ernie Garcia from Clint Horizon uh, is the answer to the, uh, to, the, um, to the trivia question. Who has the state's single seat game rushing record this year? And that is Ernie Garcia... From uh, uh, from Clinton Horizon, who ran for, <clears throat> let me make sure I get this right, 432 yards. <laughs> Clint Horizon oh running back, God. Ernie Garcia. Dude, d- can you imagine waking up the next morning after doing that? Like, yes. You, your legs hurt at that point. <laughs> Congratulations, Ernie Garcia. Helmet sticker for you. Uh, three teams to watch. I thought the most impressive team of the weekend was Timpson. The Bears. The Bears, in a game thrown together kind of at the last minute. Shout out Matt Stubb. Ended up playing Wascom, a state-ranked 3A team, and kind of beat them up and down. Yeah. Uh, Terry Bussey went nuts in this game. Timpson is legit. If you look at our computer rankings at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, TexasFootball.com, uh, they're actually the number one team right now in 2A Division One. Uh, but uh, you, Timpson's for real, yard, and I think they're if they weren't already the favorite in Region Three of Two Division One, they are now. TCU. This is a this is a a a game that that all of the all of the uh, attention that got paid last week to to Texas or to Texas Tech or or, or what did A and M do or this that or the other things like that. Um, I feel like this is a this is a performance that's flying under the radar. I thought TCU looked great, and I get it. It's Duquesne, okay? I get it. I understand. But they looked every bit the part of uh, of a, a Big 12 contender in their win. I mean, mm-hmm. you they did what you expect them to do. 45-3. This game was 35-0 at halftime. Max Duggan was great. They ran the ball exceptionally well. The defense locked down a, a, a Duquesne team uh, that, yes, it's an FCS team, but I was very impressed with what we saw from TCU, an extremely efficient game uh, from them. So keep an eye on the Horn Frogs. And team to watch, Donna North, mm-hmm. the Mighty Chiefs, are one and zero, snapping a thirty-game losing streak. Congratulations to the Chiefs. Uh, they get the big, big win, uh, and Coach uh, Jose, uh, uh, Coach uh, uh, Juan Cuevas coming up with the big win. They snap a thirty-one-game losing streak. Congratulations to them. Three to see, three games to keep an eye on for next week. It's that regional pick, Lake Travis and Rockwall. Um, 
I'm I'm extremely interested in this because I think this is a huge test for the Lake Travis defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and furthermore, I also think this is a huge test for the Rockwall defense. Both have looked pretty solid, although I think that they have overmatched their opponents recently. Um, at least, I mean, maybe Lake Travis with Arlington Martin is, is the exception. Here's a huge test for both defenses. And if Lake, make no mistake, Lake Travis is looking across the lake and they're seeing what Westlake's doing. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, they understand that their defense has got to live up to that kind of expectation. I think it's a huge measuring stick game for both these squads, Rockwall and Lake Travis. Bayou Bucket, Houston <laughs> at Rice uh, playing. I was surprised by this. Rice is only an eight-point underdog in this game. That's got to be. Now, Rice, Rice looked good against Arkansas. They, they faltered late, but they led in this game. Yeah. Um, they led against, against Arkansas. Houston did not look good against Tech, at yeah. least after about the first quarter. Uh, so I get it a little bit, but uh, that uh, certainly telling that Rice is only an eight-point underdog in this one. But that's got to be the lowest spread in a long time. in a long time for them. And finally, Salina at Argyle. This is a huge matchup in four a battle of unbeaten's. Uh, Salina has had an a, an extremely impressive resume so far mm-hmm. with wins over Melissa and wins over Paris. Argyle, you can say about the same. They beat four with Nolan in the opener, mm-hmm. and then last week they they drummed Pleasant Grove. Yeah. Uh, they have not lost to a, a home. They have lost not lost a home game since the opener of 2012. So a really impressive, another good measuring stick, I think, for both of these teams. Salina and Argyle is a game I've certainly got my eye on. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I've I've known since beforehand, talking with some of the the guys out there in Salina, that they've had this one circled on their schedule for since they it's made little, it. It's a little chippy between those. Yeah, two. and I mean, fun. if you're going to go up against someone, you want to go up against the the reigning champions. Yeah, so in a division higher than you, absolutely. There's three to see. That's Monday morning follow. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage, high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, in partnership with Ozarka, is proud to honor one team from each classification with the Ozarka Fueled by Nature Team of the Week Award. The teams selected throughout the course of this program have exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 2 Ozarka Fueled by Nature Teams of the Week in 6A. Humble Atascacita. The Eagles did what no team has ever done. Beat Allen at Eagle Stadium with a 40-21 victory, snapping the state's all-time longest regular season winning streak at 84 games. In 5A, Laredo Cigaroa, fueled by 172 yards and two touchdowns on the ground by Yaakob, uh, Yaakob Lozano. There's an apostrophe in there. I've never seen that name. The Toros mounted a second-half comeback and scored the go-ahead two-point conversion with under three minutes to go to stun Laredo Nixon 22-21. In 4A, Cuero. We've been telling you about them, Gobblers. Mm-hmm. The Gobblers signal to the rest of 4A Division II that they are back, stifling Wimberley's high-powered attack to come away with a resounding 21-3 road victory. In 3A, San Antonio Cole. Walker Cunningham hit Anthony Mason for a go-ahead 82-yard touchdown pass with under two minutes to play as the Cougars improved to 2-0 for the first time since 2018 with a 24-22 win over Natalia. In 2A, Timpson, in a game against a state-ranked 3A team thrown together midweek, the Bears were not phased, using their remarkable team speed to take down Wascom 49-28. In 1A, Benjamin, the Mustang, surged out to a 20-6 first quarter lead and never looked back, uh, taking down Kroll 54-46. 
And in the private school ranks, Cedar Hill Newman. Joshua Rico threw six touchdown passes in the first half as part of a 720-yard assault as the Warriors improved at 2-0 with a 68-20 win over Dallas First Baptist. So those are your Ozarka, fueled by nature teams of the week. In 6A, Umbla Tascacita. In 5A, Laredo Sugaroa. In 4A, Cuero. In 3A, San Antonio Cole. In 2A, Timpson. In 1A, Benjamin. And in the private school ranks, Cedar Hill Newman. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. Coming up here in just a little bit, we're going to have our college football recap. We are going to have uh, with uh, Mike Craven, our new college football insider. We're going to reveal the DCTF top 10 plays of the week. You don't want to miss that. Got a lot to come here on Texas football. Today, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Two magazines will mail you this bad boy. If you've got, if you're watching football this weekend and you're like, I don't know who any of these people are. This magazine will mail it to you. Texasfootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Pickle, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the Hall of Famer. He was on the call uh, on Saturday afternoon for uh, Texas's win over Louisiana. He got he, that was right after he got done hosting uh, high school scoreboard live on Valley Sports Southwest. We're joined by the great Craig Way. Craig, uh, have you have you slept? Like <laughs> I, I know I ask you this every year because I'm just always amazed because I saw you at like 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, and then I know you were calling the game in Austin. So uh, so are you? how well-rested would you say you are right now? Well, thanks to, uh, you know, Saturday night into Sunday morning, I got a little bit caught up there. Jeff, it's funny that you mentioned that because Friday night there was, uh, there was a hotel-related issue, and the hotel where I was supposed to stay – had changed ownership, lost all of the reservation stuff, oh, and was no. completely booked. So you know what I did? I got off the air. I jumped the truck, and I drove home. Oh, my god! Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I got home about 4.15. It wasn't too bad. And then, and then got myself some sleep, went to the stadium, and called the football game, and got home Saturday night. I did fall asleep in the recliner Saturday night. Uh, I, uh, but, yeah. then, <laughs> but okay now, and good to go. Yeah, if if you hadn't, I would have had uh, some grave concerns about uh, about your health. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the week in, in in Texas high school football that was. I think the headlines here uh, are probably centering around the two long regular season winning streaks that came to an end uh, with Allen losing to uh, Umbla Tascacita and Denton Ryan losing to Denton Geyer. Um, my point that I just made here on on the air is that. I actually focus a lot more on the teams that won as opposed to the teams that that lost because I feel like both of these wins are signature. Like it's going to be framed in kind of a, a, a I can't believe these teams lost at home or they lost the regular season. Uh, this that or the other. I find myself gravitating more towards thinking, boy, this kind of proves how good Atascasita and Geyer are. I'm interested if you follow along that same logic. Well, I do, and, and remember last week when you listed four different games and asked me which one I'd go to, and I said none of the above to see the Tascacita Allen. Part of that was uh, if I was able to pick out a game, I wanted to see if Tascacita could really pull it off since Allen had never lost in their new digs since moving in there, and they had that regular season win streak going of 84 straight. So it was almost like, you know, I want to see it with my own eyes to believe it. That was part of it. And, and the same thing with Ryan and Geyer as well. I'll give you another one, too, because we talked about it on the show on Friday, Jeff. And that was Timson 
mm-hmm. you know, beating Wascom in that in the cobbled together bowl, and uh, and it was a heck of a deal. And I think in all three cases, if I remember correctly, you and I were saying we're not really that concerned about the teams that lost the games. It's more of a statement about the teams that won. We know Rock is going to be fine, and and it's evidenced by your poll, still number one, and rightly so, I I believe. And and I think. You know, like you said, you have no concerns about Whitney Keeling's ball club. They're going to be fine uh, out in East Texas. And I think the same thing with Allen, it's a little bit different because Chad Morris is trying to get something going and build something, and he has a sophomore quarterback. That might take a little bit longer, but you're right. I think it's more about the winners than it was the teams that lost those games. Talking with Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag TF Today. Uh, okay, then, then let's let's expand a little bit more. Um, you know, those are, those are probably the three headline teams that were most impressive in, in, in week three with or week two rather with Geyer uh, with uh, Atascacita and then with Tempson. Uh, who else did you come away from Friday night or Saturday or Thursday I suppose uh, feeling like that was a signature win feeling like maybe this is a team that may be better than you thought uh, which of the teams did you come away from week two feeling uh, feeling pretty good about? Well we'd be absolutely silly to say you know, Argyle's win makes us feel better. We already feel the way we do about Argyle, that they're going to be extremely difficult to beat. Uh, you know, maybe in that one case, it's a little more about what, uh, you know, what, what what the work that'll need to go in for uh, Josh Gibson at Pleasant Grove and then trying to get things turned for them. We know what Argyle is and we know what the, uh, you know what what the outcome is going to be in a lot in just about all the cases, and that's why they now have the longest winning streak in the state. Uh, you know, I think some folks were surprised that Westlake handled Trinity the way they handled them because uh, I'm with you uh, that that I believe Trinity to be a really good ball club. But you made no bones about it when you said on the air, make no mistake, right now, right now, mm-hmm. early September for what that's worth. Westlake is the best team in the state in 6A. So we'll see. We'll find out more as we go forward on that. But that was also kind of a little bit of a statement, I think. The other one that I'll throw out there, and and, and, and just I'm not sure if you saw this. I know you were a little bit busy on Saturday. You had you had things to do. I, I, I forget what. Uh, but Cy Park beating Cy Fair in the way that they did – uh, absolutely grinding them uh, to dust. A really impressive victory for the young program there in Cypher Cy- and And that, I think, speaks to a, a broader topic, which is that we are now living in an age I think I think we might be living in the golden age of newer programs. That these programs are getting so much better so much quicker. There's no longer that six, seven, eight, ten year build to get to contention. Instead, you got teams that are starting in three years. I mean, you look at the Shadow Creeks. I think a lot of it, in a lot of ways, started with what uh, Brock did. Of course, they were an interesting situation where they had already had a, a long-established, successful athletic program. But it seems to me that we are living in a golden age of new programs that are getting really good right away. Yep, and and I was thinking of Brock when you talked about that. I always think about something that... Uh, Dr. Charles Bright, the executive director of the UIL, said uh, of Brock in that in that run that they had to win the state title, being a, a startup and and new to the whole thing, the 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 system and all of the elements were in place for success there. And I think it's the same thing at Side Park. I think it's the same thing at several of the other. Uh, Brisland is another one that that hadn't been around that long, and 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 yet. 
is experience some some success because the population structure and the way that the school district meets out depending on you know its attendance zone and, and requirements and things of that nature they these systems are set up for success shadow creek is probably the poster child for it so there's an there's a real opportunity there for startup programs to not be thought of as expansion teams the way i mean we're seeing first year programs get into the playoffs we saw that down in the greater austin area with leander glenn and pflugerville weiss you know we, we were seeing startup programs in their first year reach the playoffs so maybe that's a little bit of a benchmark as well seeing how competitive the programs can be at such an early age all right i'm going to play your favorite game that i know you're going to spring on me on thursday so i'll just get ahead of it i'm going to give you three games i'm going to make you pick one that you got to go to unless you've got some wild card that i'm not thinking of uh you can either go to lake travis and rockwall you can either go to galena park north shore and spring westfield or you can go to salina and argyle where are you teleporting to you know salina has been pretty impressive what they've done it did you know how they fare, win or lose against Argyle, will go a long way. But if you're you're telling me to choose one of those, probably going to go with Lake Travis Rockwall. I had Hank Carter on my show this morning, and uh, he's got real concerns about what Rockwall can do offensively. Clearly, when you can put that many points on Jesuit and do that, uh, you've got somebody's attention. But obviously, Lake Travis uh, will will have Rockwall's attention as well. And I give you another one. I mean, we'll we'll see how uh, Austin LBJ does against La Vega. That's number three and number four in the state so that's i think that's worthy of uh, watching as well this week that's going to be two teams that are going to get physical with one another um uh, let me ask you briefly about what you saw on saturday there um you 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 called texas's uh i would say rather impressive rather roundly rounded off very good no sharp corners type performance against uh louisiana it was it was very impressive from from where I sat. I'm I'm interested in, in what your takeaways were from Texas's win over Louisiana. Well, I you know I, I think it went I don't know if it went completely according to plan the way that uh, that Sark wanted it to go, but I know he was largely pleased uh, with how his running game looked, how his defensive line looked, uh, the attitude his guys had uh, taking on a really good ball club. So I think he was pleased with that. He, he did come away with it saying that they had concerns about things with the offensive line and some unnecessary penalties. He didn't like the fact they gave up a late first half drive for a field goal in that late drive where Louisiana did not score, but they kept the ball a long time. So there were there were some things. It's it's a healthy sign, though, Tap, when the head coach, after a win of 20 points over a ranked team, is saying, we've got areas we got to clean up. And he's right, because they do, because they're going to face uh, a talented, if kind of unheralded, Arkansas team on Saturday night in Fayetteville, where, I don't know if you've heard, they don't particularly love Texas. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard tell of these hogs and, and their <laughs> thoughts on, on the Longhorns. Finally, Craig, I'll let you go with this. You you may or may not know that Dave Campbell's Texas football crew is uh, packing up and heading west tomorrow afternoon. We're flying to El Paso uh, to catch uh, El Paso High and El Paso Socorro on Thursday night at R.R. Jones Stadium. Um, I, I know it's been a minute since Texas played out there. I think 08 was the last time they played in, uh, in, in the Sun Bowl. Um, they're taking on UTEP. Uh, any recommendations for us as we head to El Paso? Well, 
uh, you know, the scenery is always beautiful out there. I enjoyed uh, doing football games. I've done basketball games out there before. I think you're going to, uh, you know, a great site there at the stadium there at El Paso High. And then going up to the top of the hill at the end of the Continental Divide and looking down into the bowl, that's a really cool deal. That used to be one of our uh, cheesecake natural setup shot in the old days of high school <laughs> extra when we went there we always wanted to do that and then and for your your dining pleasure i'm going to recommend 40s mexican elder restaurant there on chelsea which okay. is a, a good little spot so el paso is a place that's near and dear to my heart there he is he's craig white he's the texas high school football hall of famer you can hear him on the horn in austin every weekday uh and then you can also catch him on high school scoreboard live uh, this Friday on Bally Sports Southwest starting at 11 o'clock alongside myself and Rick Renner. And then listen to him uh, on the, uh, the, the, the the Texas Sports Network or Texas what, what Texas Radio Network uh, presented by Learfield, I think. you you've, I heard you say it like three or four times on the air. <laughs> I was, I was going to write it down. I didn't. Um, but here him. Yeah, the, the uh, Longhorn Radio Learfield. There you go. The Longhorn Radio Network uh, by Learfield. Uh, you can hear him call uh, Texas and Arkansas, old Southwest Conference rivals, going out on Saturday. Craig, appreciate your time, my friend, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Hey, safe travels. Have a great trip out there. Promise. <laughs> Bye, Craig. There he goes. Bye. Craig White, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football. Today, I knew he would. I knew he would have some. Some some insights on El Paso. That's a Recommendations, man, yeah. That's a when man you can trust. I'll pull back the the curtain there when I picked it up. He's like, "Where are you going this week?" And I said, "It's El Paso week." And he was like, "Oh, I forgot. That's so exciting." So he's pumped for us, which we knew he would be. We knew <laughs> he would be. So we appreciate Craig Way hopping on with us. We're Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/DaveCampbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/DaveCampbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle? Yes. Dave Campbell's Texas Football in conjunction with the Texas Bowl is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday or Tuesday, TexasFootball.com will announce 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you voting at TexasFootball.com. Voting closes at noon on Friday, with the winner being announced shortly thereafter right here on Texas Football Today. Another ridiculous week. Y'all got to chill. Yeah. Y'all got to chill. Uh, your t- week two, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Saxy quarterback Alex Orgy, 270 yards, three touchdowns passing, 161 yards, and three touchdowns rushing. Light work. Light stuff. Godly wide receiver Drew Coleman, 10 catches, 232 yards, and four touchdowns receiving. Odessa Permian quarterback Rodney Hall, 231 yards and three touchdowns passing, another 173 yards and three touchdowns rushing. Like I said, y'all got to chill. <laughs> Speaking of y'all got to chill, Port Arthur Memorial quarterback Jamar Sanders threw for 446 cool. yards and four touchdowns and ran for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Lord. <laughs> Goodness. Jim Ned running back and defense back Xavier Wishart, perhaps you've heard of him, 222 yards and four touchdowns rushing, nine tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, and an interception. All around. Timpson quarterback and defensive back Terry Bussey threw for 201 yards and three touchdowns passing, 96 yards and three touchdowns rushing. He had seven tackles and an interception on defense. I love when the quarter, the small school quarterbacks making yeah. tackles. Like, oh, he had, you know, 10 tackles. Mm-hmm. Just, and then he went out there and threw the ball. <laughs> Taft wide receiver and defensive back Josh Suarez had four catches for 80 yards and a score, 35 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He returned a kickoff for a touchdown. He had 14 tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble. 
<laughs> McAllen Memorial running back and kicker, Max Alanez Choi. 33 carries, 322 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. And he went 7-for-7 seven seven on PATs. Yeah, let's go. El Paso Eastwood quarterback Andrew Martinez threw for 411 yards and four touchdowns and ran for 75 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And I am I am almost certain he didn't play the whole game. I'm almost certain he got pulled somewhere like either at halftime or early in the third quarter. <laughs> and finally, Cy Park running back Cameron King. 10 carries, 258 yards, and three touchdowns rushing, and he had a 73-yard touchdown reception. Those are your Week 2 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Vote early, vote often, vote now on TexasFootball.com. I'm so glad that other people have to choose those so we don't have to. It's hard enough for me to get to 10. Yeah, like there's no way to narrow that down. Anyway, Pickle. It's time to roll out the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week. Remember, if you've got a highlight that you think deserves to be seen by the whole world, tag us. Hashtag DCTFTop10. We'll gather them up, put them in a big video, count them down. Here they are, the Week 2 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week. quarter. McCollum rolling towards his left. He's going to be hit hard, and he is taken down in the backfield. The young man, Sean Burks, who you talked about a minute ago. Not it's okay to run the half. Take a 28-point lead in the half. Play fake. Roper flushes to the left, squares up, launches it deep into oh, what coverage! Oh, what a catch by Golden! Touchdown, Klein Kane! Golden off of the deflection! Down and 10, looking to throw, rolling, De La Cruz fires, pass is going to be picked off by Cy Park. On the interception here is Raymond Davis, the senior safety, who's down the sideline. Davis is being tracked down, and he's going to take it all the way for the pick six. Touchdown, Cy Park. Great blocking by the Cy Park defense, and Davis, big time speed, hits the sideline, and he is gone. Stopped with 7.07 left in the third. Morrison pumps, throws down the middle of the field. That's his third interception of the night. And this is the second interception for Jaden Walker. And this is going to be the second pick six for Jaden Walker. Touchdown, Dawson.
much for watching that Dave video. Dave Campbell's Top 10 Places. We can find those on YouTube and on our social media. I want to shout out everyone real fast because that was our first week asking people to use the hashtag. And y'all did great. Most all of those plays were stuff that y'all had brought our attention to. So yes. thank you. Keep doing that. I agree. It makes the video better. Pickle. Derry Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches across the state for the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your week two. Yeah, week two. It's weird because it's Tuesday. Your week two. <laughs> Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Side Park Offensive Coordinator Richard Ibarra in a matchup of new versus established in SciFair ISD, the Tigers rang up 564 yards of total offense, including 472 on the ground in a statement 62-28 win over SciFair. Rockport Fulton Offensive Coordinator Ryan Gupton the Pirates got 302 yard total yards and four scores from Josh Choup as the Pirates put on another offensive clinic, surging past Corpus Christi King 62-24. San Antonio Harlandale defensive coordinator Brandon Molina. The Indians pitched their second consecutive shutout, holding San Antonio Edison to just 78 total yards in a 31-0 victory. And finally, Banchetti's defensive coordinator Lance Riddell. The Bulldogs stifled Ben Bolt from the opening whistle, taking down the Badgers 29-0 for the second consecutive shutout and just their third since 2018. So those are your week two. Derry Max built by Chuck Milk, assistant coach of the week nominees. Vote now on Twitter. At DCTF. I told you this is a big, big show. It's a big, beefy show. And uh, we've now got a little bit of an announcement to make. Mm-hmm. Because joining us now is the new Bam. college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas football. It's Mike Craven. How's it going, sir? It's been a long time since I've sat in this chair. It's been a minute, yeah, and it got colder in here, didn't <laughs> it? It, did, it, did. it got colder. I'm so glad someone walked in and goes, man, it's really cold in here. I'm like, I've been preaching this for years, yeah. people. Uh, <laughs> I got to keep a hoodie. Yeah, listen, that's a that's a, that's a a big play around here is that we, we, we keep the AC turned down. Yeah. Um, first of all, welcome to the team. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I mean that as far as like taking the job is concerned. Like, thanks sure. for doing that. That's fun. Um, let's talk. We're going to talk a little bit of college football uh, what we saw in week one, of course, listen to the Republic of Football when Mike actually made his uh, his Dave Campbell's Text Football full-time debut. Uh, so subscribe to that. But what we do, Mike, is every Thursday we have our burning questions segment. And so for the recap, we're just going to go through the questions and see how they got answered. Okay. Sound good? Yep, I can do that. Question number one, Pickle. Question number one. Let's go back to the UTEP miners here. Is UTEP fixing me 2-0? Uh... Yeah, yep. 2-0 for the first time since 2005. It wasn't always pretty. Uh, a little bit late, Bethune-Cookman got some, got, got, some, got some shots off and stuff like that, but 2-0 is 2-0 at UTEP, and they don't apologize for that. Uh, no. Uh, Gavin, he looks good. Hardison looks good. Um, Ronald Awat looks pretty mm-hmm. good at running back. So, um, you know, they had a schedule where they needed to go 2-0. and Oh, yeah. You know, like it's it's an emergency break glass if they're not 2-0 and right now. So uh, that should build some momentum, some confidence inside that locker room, and, and they need as much as that as they can get in El Paso right now. What's next, Pickle? Up next, we had, going back to the TCU game, <laughs> where is Duquesne? <laughs> oh, I am. I know this. You uh, Did I, you know this before? Like uh, you didn't have to look it up? Yeah, so Fort Duquesne is basically what Pittsburgh is now. 
So yeah. uh, like it was a French fort mm-hmm. in like the 1700s, eventually became English and then American or whatever. But essentially where Fort Duquesne is, is now what we call Pittsburgh. Wow. I didn't even know okay. how to say it on yeah. Thursday. <laughs> uh, the only way, reason I knew it, it was because of like college basketball. I'm an extremely big nerd. <laughs> I try. I try. Welcome. Not to, I try not to let everybody know that you know about myself. I don't know if I advertise it as much as everybody here. But wow, buddy! Yeah, I'm you're a, amongst especially friends. Especially history-wise, yeah. And I was just up in that area uh, all last oh. summer or whatever for the pandemic. I went and spent all that time up in the Northeast. So yeah, uh, Fort Duquesne. Uh, TCU puts on a clinic against Duquesne. Uh, I thought Max Duggan. I, th- I thought the offense, like as far as debuts are concerned. It's 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 because it's Duquesne and because it's like not because TCU doesn't play like this big flashy sexy brand of football. It's going to fly under people's radar. I thought they were awfully impressive in Week One. Yeah, they did what they needed to do, and they're never going to be the team where you look at the box score and go like, "Oh man, 500 yards passing," or look at that guy with 200 yards rushing. Um, that's just not what TCU does. But if you watch that game, they they did anything that they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. What's next, Pickle? Up next, we head over to the Texas A&M game. What would signify success for the Aggies in their opener? Staying healthy. I I thought that was kind of the big thing. You get Haynes King out there, you let him make a couple early mistakes, get those those jitters out there, get him kind of situated with being a quarterback in college. Uh, Other than that, it's just avoiding any major injuries, and it sounded like they did that. They also scored on defense, which I thought was pretty big. Leon O'Neal had a great Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, and, 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 you know, there was some some ringing of hands among Aggies during that game because they weren't putting the pedal of the metal. But that that played out a lot like – it feels like the kind of game that good teams play in week one, which is – we're going to fart around a little bit, not going to be super crisp maybe in the early going. There's going to be one big play, and then we're going to hit the gas. And, and A&M, to their credit, has reached the status of there's only a couple games on the schedule that matter. They just have to win all their games, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, they, if they're blowing out all these teams, they get to the Alabama game and lose by 20, none of that matters. If right. they're playing okay against these teams, they get to Alabama and they win by seven. Doesn't matter. It's, Doesn't go matter. For it. it's kind of pass-fail in a right. lot of regards. And that's that's what Texas was under Mac Brown, and that's what A&M is now, mm-hmm. and that's to their credit. That's a good place to be. What's next, Pickle? Up next, how about them Roadrunners? What would UTSA over would UTSA over Illinois actually be that big of an upset? Well, the line was four and a half, so mm-hmm. it's an upset. You know, UTSA's only win over a Power Five school previous to this was a 2017 Baylor team mm-hmm. that was going through a lot of stuff. Yes, at that <laughs> time. So this feels like the biggest win in UTSA, you know, program history. I saw national guys talking about UTSA that I've never seen. Talk yeah. about UTSA before, so I, I do think it was an upset. Maybe not as big as as people unfamiliar with UTSA would think it it was, but it was an upset, and it was a, definitely a, a big win. It's one of those like, it's it's one of those upsets where it's bigger from a brand name perspective upset than it is actually like on the field. And if you know, you know yeah, type of situation. Yeah, because like I look at you, I think you know we look at UTSA, and we're like we think this team has a chance to be really good. Yep. And you know Illinois, good for them. They beat Nebraska in the opener, but like that's a that's a bottom half of the big 10 type team still to go on the road and do it i mean to get paid a million dollars to beat someone is look, never a bad thing yeah. i again not a math major but that just seems pretty cool good. i saw somebody online that said if you win a uh, one of those pay games the opposing coach should come out with like one of those big <laughs> checks <laughs> you got to take checks. it to a big bank like that, that, that would be that's that would be great brett billima's bringing out trails like jogging over like what's next pickle all right up next we asked sfa played a fall season while tar Carlton played a spring season. Did that matter? 
Not really. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I was impressed. I was actually impressed with Tarleton. I thought SFA was the favorite in this one, but Tarleton came out firing. SFA had to rally in the, in the fourth quarter to come away with the win. Um, but overall, I think that I, I, that was, it was an interesting kind of dynamic of one team played in the spring, one ta- pl- team played in the fall. It was super important to Colby Carthel to stay on schedule and, and keep things as normal as possible. Um, you know, they started a little bit slow, but, you know, a win's a win. They're 1-0. That's the most important thing. I think if there is any difference, it won't come in individual games. It'll be injuries built up over the year. Mm-hmm. So maybe come November, we look back at this and go, okay, are the schools that are playing kind of twice in the same year suffering for mm-hmm. some for some injuries that maybe uh, the other schools aren't? What's next, Pickle? Up next, it was a Texas game here with Baylor and Texas State. Who looked better? Was it Gary Bohannon or Brady McBride? I mean, I may, I may take Brady McBride. I think I will too. I, I Somewhere came away, if Mel Johnson is freaking out. I came away a little bit. I came away a little bit disappointed in the Baylor offense. Yep. Um, now it's it's young, it's early, and they're working a new quarterback. They're working an entirely new scheme. Uh, things, but but they should have. I mean, the Texas State defense, I think, was there for the for the for the taking, and it seemed kind of fits and starts for them. And Bohannon was okay. Um, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't supremely impressed by them. They did what they had to do. That defense is legit. I think that defense is legit, but I think I I, I went with I, I I might go with McBride. Defense looked really really good. Um, you know, this may be an expectations thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what to. I don't know what the identity of the Baylor offense is, and I'm not yeah. sure that they do right now either. And so that's something they're going to really have to figure out. And they have a couple games against teams they should be able to beat while figuring that out. So. Yeah. Uh, going into week four, they need to really have a, this is what we hang our hat on, and I didn't see any of that on Saturday. What's next, Pickle? It was, what percentage chance do you give oh. Texas Southern to get its first win since 2018? Uh, not much, uh, and, and Prairie View beats them 40-17. to 17. Texas Southern, I like Clarence McKinney a lot. I'm rooting for him. But it wasn't going to happen against Prairie View in the opener. Yeah, getting a song on the Drake album is probably the highlight Shut of, up. of the Texas Southern <laughs> Shut up, Texas season. Southern. Uh, 40, uh, yeah, 47. Juwan Pass went 25-37 for 354 and three touchdowns for Prairie View. Thanks to the construction Shout guys. Shout out, door. construction guys. What's next, Pickle? <laughs> Up next, talk about SMU. We reached, we <laughs> talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, but Tanner Mordecai over under four point five total touchdowns, and boy howdy, did he blow this one out of the I water! Might have taken the under on this one. Uh, <laughs> you look like a there's fool. No out way, here. There's no way to look at the tape. Don't I, look at the tape. I, I mean, taking the under on four, you had had to pick five touchdowns. Like that's. I know. I, I would have gone with the under too. Tanner Mordecai. Look, at my previous job when I was doing the Fat 55, I may have been one of the only people that had him that mm-hmm. high in the state. I think Tanner Mordecai is tremendous. If, if Spencer Rattler's not at Oklahoma, he's starting for the Sooners. And so yeah. uh, I think he's really good, and he looked he looked tremendous. And, you know, you had some big shoes to fill with Shane Bouchel, and he, he, he seems to fill them. He looked at the part. Apparently, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the – there was a quote from – uh, Sonny Dykes in, the, in one of the press conferences, I think the Monday press conference was, um, he said, I got a text from Shane Bouchelle who like about, he sent the stat line. It's like seven touchdowns. Like you never let me do that. That's <laughs> Which is like, I respect that. I respect yeah. that, that, that level of uh, never graduate from Shane Bouchelle. All right. What's next? A game that we were all super hyped for. Um, was it a must win game for both Matt Wells and Dana Holgerson? And, and I think you both said yes last week. You and ish that is. Well, I mean the narrative set now, I mean, for Dana, now look, they should win this week against Rice, and then they get Grambling, so they should right. be 2-1. and one, But at the same time, man, it's like, 
that they looked they looked you you made a great point on Republic of Football and I don't want to butcher it um but it it looked like Dana had like a good idea at the beginning and there was no real plan B. Well, and the plan against Texas Tech is punch them in the mouth mm-hmm. and watch them fold. Mm-hmm. And I think the most impressive part of what happened Saturday was that Texas Tech team was there for a fight for mm-hmm. 60 mm-hmm. minutes. And that's a game I think Texas Tech loses by 20, 30 points in previous years. And they went really transfer heavy. They got some experienced guys in there that are tough and know how to win, who have been to a couple different places. And you can see the plan for Matt Wells start to materialize in that second half. And if Texas Tech can be that good on the lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, they're going to be pretty good. To think of a Texas Tech team that's a run-first defense-playing school is just going to take some time to adjust to. But they looked really, really good in that you know last three quarters. I thought Taj Brooks looked great, man. Oh, man. That kid's stud. Uh, Mayner? <laughs> From he's from he's from Maynard. He's from Maynard. You know, and that Austin area has a couple like mm-hmm. small running backs that kind of got away from UT A and M just because they're five six five six. Deuce Vaughn mm-hmm. at Kansas State's mm-hmm. one of the same ones. So as a guy who was in Austin covering a lot of high school football at that time, is like guys, Tosh Brooks is going to be really good. You know, running back height's not that big of a deal, and yeah, he's going to be he's going to be a really good. And then they got a wide receiver out there that's yeah, he's he's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be. I think I think that I think Tech should I like. That's one of those games where I think there's like, <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna make some friends. I think Texas Tech Twitter is like among the most like doom scrolling in in America. Right. Man, you like something starts going wrong and it's just like it's over. Set like, everything on fire. And, and oh my gosh, I mean they get down fourteen nothing, and you would have thought that like they just need to close the university. Right. I think that they like they can feel unequivocally really good about what happened on Saturday. I don't I don't know. I mean, UTSA had a big win. Texas looked good. I'm not sure I was impressed more mm-hmm. by any other team than Texas Tech it to was, go down 14 nothing to not have the ball until like 2:33 less left in the first quarter, and then to respond that way is just not something I've seen from a Red Raiders team in uh, maybe ever. That was very yeah. very impressive. What's next, Pickle? Let's head up to Denton here. Who are you buying stock in, Austin Ani or Jace Reuter? I watched zero plays of this game, I, so I am going off uh, entirely uh, off of the uh, the box score. Um, but uh, it seems like they started they started Reuter. Is that right? Um, I believe they started Reuter in this game. Uh, it ends up being that he goes ten of twenty one for one hundred thirty one yards, uh, a touchdown, and two picks, uh, and. You know, they they got a huge game from DeAndre Torrey, yep. which they needed. And this game was, you know, a little hairy there at halftime, but then they pulled away in the second half. Um, I don't know. Quarterback seemed a little – I need to go back and watch the game, admittedly. But from the from the box score to the advanced stats, seems like quarterback job still certainly up in the air. Yeah, I mean, if I have to pick one, I'm going with Ani. I just, mm-hmm. I just think I know what he is a little bit more. And, you know, North Texas is going to be one of those teams. I know they want to pass the ball. Like, that's just that's what mm-hmm. they do. Uh, but they're going to be better this year if they just kind of go game manager at quarterback, run the football, play defense. I, I feel like at least until midway in the season when they build a little bit of consistency through the passing game, like that's going to be their bread and butter. And they just need to pick one. Like, I, I'm a believer in you just got to pick one mm-hmm. and yeah. go with it. You can't do the two. Rice is the same way. Where mm-hmm. You, you got to pick one. And uh, eventually he's going to have to. What's next, Pickle? Up next, the game that happened in Austin. Which unit is most important to Texas avoiding an upset? 
Uh, boy, I see because I believe I said offensive line. I think Ish said receivers. Mm-hmm. I think both had reasons for positivity. Offensive um, line was yeah. offensive line got better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. They 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 figured out some things I think at halftime schematically that helped them kind of protect a little bit. Um, I think if Jordan Whittington wants to step up and be that kind of game breaker, uh, they would certainly not mind that. He was a he was a game changer for them. Um, I think those were those were probably the having a receiver step up, and then I think Hudson Carter's really good. Yeah, the defense looked great. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the defense was fine. That defensive line is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, yeah, I think offensive line is the biggest question mark, uh, just in terms of of what they can handle up front. I think they'll get better as the season goes on. And, and honestly, Louisiana is probably a top five defensive line that they're going to face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we look at that game and go, oh, they're struggling against the Louisiana defensive line. That's a good defensive line. So. Um, I think going forward, the the Texas season will be determined at how good the big guys are up front, and that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Bijan Robinson being such a big part of what that offense is going to do, the more room he has to operate, the more that's going to open it up for Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy and Joshua Moore. That passing game is going to get better and better the better that offensive line is. Card did a really good job of showing that he can he can move out of the pocket too. That was another yeah. bright spot. But again, that's because he was having to scramble because the O line wasn't quite I living that, up to expectation. Yeah, but I also thought I'll just say this: I think that they game planned it well for a young quarterback making his first start. Yeah. Is that yeah. it was a lot of manageable throws, just put it on the target and stuff like that, and then they expanded the play playbook a little bit as as the game went on and it looked good and they they paid attention to details Mm -hmm. yes the special teams looked good there wasn't a lot of dumb penalties like it they found a football coach yeah and they they found a football coach and now it's just what can he do with that talent in year one what's next finally hoot hoot should rice fans be worried that the owls haven't named a starting quarterback i i still take it for what it is i played an sec team yeah i still think they should be worried i still think you know they were kind of cycling through I thought when Luke McCaffrey came in, he looked really solid for stretches there. I think he's probably the more talented guy. Yeah, um, they had a chance. I was tweeting about the intensifying hooting. Um, <laughs> they they were they led in this game. I think they can take a lot of positives from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, quarterback still is a problem. They still just I I, I feel like they still don't have a guy that they feel like they can trust. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought it's because Luke came in kind of so late into the summer mm-hmm. that this is one of those Wiley Green knows our whole playbook. He deserves to get a start, and we'll see who kind of plays better. And neither one of them played, you know, just lights out to keep the other one on the bench or whatever. But I do think Luke McCaffrey is the the higher upside kind of guy. And as the season goes on, I think he starts to kind of really take over. And like we were talking about with North Texas, you got to pick one. Like mm-hmm. the, the team needs to know mm-hmm. who the quarterback is, and the quarterback needs to know that he is the quarterback. And uh, I think this Houston game will see the rotation a little bit more, but then as Conference USA games really get going, I think they they pick one, and I would I would guess it's McCaffrey. He's Mike Craven. We're gonna let him get out of here because he's freezing. He's the college football. <laughs> Why does that never work for me? He's the college football insider <laughs> for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow him on Twitter at Craven Mike. Uh, welcome aboard, buddy. I'm glad to be here. We're uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you aboard, and uh, make sure you. Uh, I don't know. Keep doing your college football y'all, stuff. Y'all have been uh, paying me enough for a little while. I'm just glad the insurance is finally part of the deal. Mm-hmm. That's the full. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's fine. Well, I mean, let's get through this week and we'll see. <laughs> we'll reconvene. Don't, don't, don't need a doctor yet. <laughs> yeah, I I'm read saying. the contract. It, it goes retroactively. <laughs> Thanks, Mike.
Thank and you. now let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, do we want to go ahead? Let's do some programming note here. Sure. We will be in El Paso this week. You all know that we're leaving tomorrow, but there will be a show every single day. Yes. We're still going to make that work. So don't worry. We will still have all the content. So we're going to have we'll have a show tomorrow live. Thursday will be on tape, and then Friday I'll be back, and I'll be doing uh, Mailbag Friday on uh, on Friday yeah. because it's that's when we do Mailbag Friday. It's that Friday. is math. Yeah, the math checks out. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Anything else? Nope. Okay. It's going to do for Oh, Vince's trophies over there. It's going to do it for us. I saw Thanks him this weekend, and I yelled at him to get his trophy. Yeah. Oh, I'll turn the mic. Sorry. Uh, Mike's mic you, back you, on. You. There he goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was uh, – I was at the Longhorn game, and he was introducing a band, and I was like, hey – don't get your trophy. I was like 20 feet from him. He just kind of looked at me. They bring in Vince Young to just like introduce introduce like Migos. Yeah, no, it was it, it was some <laughs> local band, but yeah, they do a down at the tailgating spot now. They have Longhorn City Limits, so it looks just like an ACL stage. And huh. so they brought him out for the first but game to like Vince inter- to introduce him. <laughs> yeah, my mom Trish and I are walking down, and we hear the voice, and she goes, "Is that?" And I said, "Oh my God, that's Vince." Hey. Okay. Anytime you go to Austin, you have to bring the trophy now. Yeah, I was gonna say I got I got kind of blown up on. I tweeted about it. I got blown up by people. Why didn't you take it with you? I was like, I, I don't know. I it's wasn't also, thinking about having to walk all the way back to my car to drop off a trophy. You're going up to security, heavy. going, Hey, can I bring this in in case I see Vince Young? <laughs> yeah. So what are you gonna do? Like stab him with it? Yeah. Like, exactly. it's very pointy. <laughs> anyway, that's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash/DaveCampbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com/slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at texasfootball.com. For Mike Craven and Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.